your wicked hostess Jacqueline here. I just wanted to let you know, instead of releasing my episodes on Fridays, I will be releasing them on Monday. This gives you the entire week to plan your next adventure. Warning. Wicked wanderers may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Wanderers, and welcome to Wicked Wanderers Podcast. I'm your Wicked hostess, Jacqueline. I hope everybody's having a wonderful Monday and beginning of their week. If you are new to this podcast, each week we will travel to a different destination. I will discuss a haunted place, some dark tourism, as well as some fun things to do while we are there pack your bags. We're going to West Virginia. Welcome to the Mountain State. It's the birthplace of Charles Manson, home to Bat Boy's Cave, Sasquatch's Hideout, and Werewolf Country. Nestled in the Appalachian Mountain Range, West Virginia is bordered by Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. West Virginia is a beautiful state with some breathtaking views. Before we get to our first destination, here are some fun facts and strange laws about West Virginia. There is a not-so-secret nuclear bunker to accommodate congressmen and women in case of a nuclear attack. 1787, the first steamboat was launched in West Virginia. Grafton, West Virginia, was the venue for the world's first Mother's Day celebration. In Monroe County, there are no traffic lights, four-lane highways, or fast food restaurants. This is not a place you want to stop by on a road trip. Endangered animals in West Virginia include the West Virginia Flying Northern Squirrel, the Indiana Bat, and the Virginia big-eared bat. The black bear is the state's animal. In Huntington, firemen may not whistle or flirt with any woman passing a firehouse. Well, that's just no fun. If you swear in public, you will be fined $1 for each swear word. I would be owing a shit ton of money. If you have ever dueled, You cannot hold any position in the public office. That makes sense. Whistling underwater is illegal. I don't really know how somebody can whistle underwater, but if you have done it, let me know. No napping on the train. It's illegal. That is the best time to take a nap. Chickens may not lay eggs before 8 a.m., or after 4 p.m. I'm not really sure how you can put restrictions on chickens, 
on when they can lay their eggs or not, what are you going to do? Hey, chicken, you can't lay your egg between this time period. They don't fucking care. They're fucking chickens. They lay their eggs whenever the fuck they want. Anyone who hunts, catches, takes, kills, injures, or pursues a wild animal or bird with a ferret will face a fine of no less than $100, but no more than $500, and up to a 100 days in jail. No funny priests in West Virginia. It's illegal to tell jokes during a service. In West Virginia, you cannot marry your first cousin, but you can definitely marry your second cousin. We all know you love your second cousins in West Virginia. I'm just picking with you guys. West Virginia does have some really interesting things and definitely some crazy laws about it. And now on to our first destination. We will be traveling to Rock, West Virginia. Rock is a small town located on the waters of the Bluestone River in southern West Virginia. Rock is a neat little town with freshly painted houses, well-kept lawns. It's quaint and quiet. But where we're going in Rock, West Virginia, is the abandoned Lake Shawnee Amusement Park. Located at 470 Matoka Road, the Shawnee Lake Amusement Park was on the travel channels, the most terrifying places in America, and it does not disappoint. Lake Shawnee was home to the Native Americans for more than 2,000 years. It's rich soil, crystal clear rivers. The land is perfect to raise a family and survive. In April 1774, Mitchell Clay was granted land for serving in the French and Indian War. He received 800 acres on the Bluestone River. Here's 800 acres. Technically, this isn't our land. We're stealing it from the Native Americans. But you can have it. It's all yours. Fucking dicks. In 1775, Mitchell Clay was Mercer County's first white settler. I'm sure he was extremely popular. Him and his family of 14 would make this land their home. They settled in and began their lives farming the land. On one fateful day in August 1779, Mitchell Clay had harvested his crop of small grain. He asked his two sons, Bartley and Ezekiel, to build a fence around the stacks of grain for him. Mitchell then went on a hunting trip. Mitchell's oldest daughter and some of her younger sisters were at the river bank washing their clothes. You can count me out. I would not survive in this time. I need a dishwasher and I need a washing machine. But while they were washing the clothes, 11 Native Americans snuck up to the edge of the field where the two young boys were building that fence. They fired a shot and killed Bartley Clay. When the sisters heard this, they ran home. The path would lead them right where their brothers were. Tabitha stopped and tried to protect the body of her brother, who was being scalped, 
the native americans tried to kidnap her she fought and she tried to reach for the knife on her attacker's belt but she did not get it she was cut into pieces before being murdered ezekiel the other brother was kidnapped a man alerted miss clay of the attack and she begged him for help to shoot her children's attackers he had a gun but he ran away instead because he's a fucking coward and he let little kids die that sums him up in a nutshell she then took the rest of her kids and fled into the woods when mitchell came back he stumbled upon this grisly scene and since his family had fled into the woods he just assumed everybody was kidnapped mitchell went after the native americans several native americans were killed but they escaped with his son ezekiel ezekiel would be burned at the stake both of his slave children were buried on the property clearly there was already a lot of violence and bloodshed associated with the land now we're going to fast forward 144 years conley snowden buys the farm at shawnee lake at this time coal mining was flourishing in the area and he had a great idea an amusement park something to entertain the families this was no disney world guys it was a simple amusement park but this definitely provided something to do in rock west virginia and i'm sure this was actually one of the only things probably to do there the park opened in 1927 a little girl between the ages of 10 and 12 was wearing a pink ruffled dress she was on the swing ride and then when the ride started a truck backed into the area and the little girl hit this truck and died i feel like this could have been easily preventable why is there a truck on the property there should be no vehicles out there while the park is up and running on july 3rd 1966 was the next death a 11 year old boy was found in the pool he had drowned his arm got stuck in the drain i have so many questions about this where was the drain how did he reach it how could he fit his arm in it endless hours of research and i could not find out any additional information besides somehow his arm got stuck in that drain and he drowned thankfully after this they filled the pool in in total snowden claimed six people were killed by rides unfortunately i can't find any information on the other four people that die there by the end of the year in 1966 the park would close in 1985 gaylord white who once worked at the park would buy the abandoned amusement park he wanted to subdivide the land and sell residential lots while digging he began finding native american artifacts and burial sites most burial sites were of children so instead of subdividing everything he just decided to reopen the park the park only stayed open for three years and then it shut down again the park stands abandoned to this day and is owned by the white family the rusting ferris wheel and children's swing still stand in the graveyard 
of what was once the amusement park. Abandoned and overgrown, it is truly an eerie sight to see. I will post pictures of this on my Instagram, wicked underscore wanderers podcast, so you can see what I'm talking about. Cars, buses, concession stands, canoes, a glimpse of what used to be the park's glory days. Locals believe the land is cursed due to the dark history, and that is what caused all the deaths. It has been featured on Discovery Channel's Ghost Lab, the Travel Channel's The Most Terrifying Places in America, and the National Geographic series The Watch. Sightings of ghostly apparitions around what remains of the amusement park are seen frequently. There are sightings of a little girl in a dress and other spirits who seem to be riding the now disused Ferris wheel. The swing where the young girl died has been seen moving and twisting by itself. A dark shadow is seen hovering over the Ferris wheel. There's a lot of stuff going on around that Ferris wheel. Maybe that's where one of those other people died. Who knows? Visitors have heard footsteps, mysterious chants, and have seen children. Someone got locked into a ticket booth. I've been locked in a bathroom before when I was at the Hotel Del Coronado. And the maintenance guys came and they were just like, well, try twisting the knob. Oh my God, clearly I've tried that. And then they try to pass a screwdriver underneath the door and try to get me to take it off and that thing wasn't moving. And they ended up an hour and a half later just popping the doors off the hinges. They were trying to not mess up the door. That was great. Orbs and other ghostly phenomenons have been reported by park visitors. One visitor took a photo and a distinct shape of a person was captured behind the stone monument. This is the location where Bartley and Tabitha were buried. A large dark figure is often seen from a distance. That's a lot of stuff going on at one place. Are you brave enough to go to the Lake Shawnee Amusement Park? During Halloween, they have the Dark Carnival. This is a haunted house, which is completely separate from doing a ghost tour of the amusement park, so don't get that confused. You can book your spooky trip to the abandoned Shawnee Lake Amusement Park through their website at www.wvlakeshawnee.com events. Since our next destination is about four hours away, I'm going to give you some fun places and things to do while we go on a road trip there. Our first stop is the New River Gorge National Park and Preserve. Time to stretch our legs. Located at 104 Main Street, Glen Jean, West Virginia, it is in the heart of the Appalachian Mountains. The New River Gorge is a sight to see with over 70,000 acres of land. You can go rock climbing, hiking, zip lining, kayaking, whitewater rafting. They have guided hiking trails, 
that you can reserve as well as guided rock climbing and whitewater rafting that you can do through their website at adventuresonthegorge.com. It is a national forest and there are several different hikes you can do that have amazing views of the mountain range and the rivers below. After all that hiking, we're going to be hungry. So our next stop is Wonderlust Creative Foods, located at 105 West Maple Ave in Fayetteville, West Virginia. It's about 1.5 miles away from the gorge. Their concept is simple. Serve high-quality food at a fast pace and affordable cost. The non-dumplings are recommended. These are chicken and vegetables wrapped in non-dough, served with a hot pepper jelly and candied peppers. I also recommend trying the gambas prawns. Now that our bellies are full, our next stop is Mystery Hole. Located at 16724 Midland Trail, Anstead, West Virginia. Built in 1973, Mystery Hole is truly a fun and unique spot. A quote from Atlas Obscura describes it as the following. A zany-looking gift shop that was painted in eye-catching carnival colors, decorated with kitschy wonders like a sawed-off Volkswagen Beetle that seems to be crashing into the structure, a big gorilla statue looming over the front door. This place is so cute. There are gravity illusions and a carnival feel. You have to stop by this place. It's simple entertainment that was created for road trips back in the 70s. Don't you miss having those weird off-the-beaten-path attractions? This place is truly nostalgic. I will definitely post some pictures of Mystery Hole on my Instagram. I absolutely love it. I don't know if any of you had been on a family road trip back in the day when you had to use paper maps, but this would be a place that the family would stop at, the kids could go have fun, and the parents could have a break from driving. Our last stop before we get to our final destination is Charleston, West Virginia. Tucked away on the beautiful historic Capitol Street is the Mortar Man. He was created by the local sculptor P. Joseph Mullins. This tiny Mortar Man is about the size of a Happy Meal toy. With leftover mortar, Mullen created this little man and tucked him between the two buildings, about 12 feet off the ground. People pass this guy every day without knowing that he is there. He may be a little hard to find. You need to stand on the sidewalk where building 108 and 110 connect together. There is a narrow column of bricks between the two buildings. And at the top of the column between the first and second stories, you will see him squeezing out from beneath the bricks. I will also post him on my Instagram so you can get a better view of where the location is. While you're on the historic Capitol Street, make sure you go shopping. This is a cute little historic district. It's exploding with curb appeal and has been around for more than a 100 years. 
make sure you grab some chocolate from Hollis Swiss Chocolate, located at 800 Smith Street. Their chocolate is absolutely amazing. And now on to our final destination. Let's get wicked. We will be going to 818 Jefferson Ave in Moundsville, West Virginia. This place looks like a castle with beautiful Gothic architecture, sitting on about 10 acres with 7 acres enclosed. The prison opened in 1876 and stayed open until 1995. That is a very long time. There was an area for female inmates and a personal living quarters for the warden and his family. In the 1900s, the prison was self-sustainable, but like all good things and ideas, things would eventually go wrong, and they did. By 1929, the prison intake had doubled, and overcrowding was a huge problem. Three men were assigned to a 5 by 7 cell. Two prisoners would sleep on the bunks, and the third sleeping on a mattress on the floor. Conditions continued to decline. The U.S. Department of Justice rated it as one of the top 10 most violent prisons in the country. That says a lot. The prison was divided into four separate sections. North Hall, which housed the most dangerous men that had behavior issues inside the prison. There, they would be subjected to 22 to 48 hours in a 5 by 7 foot cell. Due to the brutal nature of the North Hall, it became known as the Alamo among the prisoners and the staff. Don't nickname your dangerous sections. That's just not a good sign at all. The prisoners in this hall were so dangerous, the guards had to wear riot gear and carry shields just to feed them. That's freaking insane. The new wall is the next section which housed the general population. There was Honor Hall for the so-called trustees of the prison. They earned special privileges and decreased security. And then there was Rat Row for those who had testified against others and needed special protection. Anyone who was on Rat Row had a massive target on their back. There was also a horrible place called the Sugar Shack, where gambling, fighting, and rapes would occur. One incident was when a prison informant named Wall was jumped in the Sugar Shack. His peers were sick of his snitching. They slashed him with dull shanks, leaving him in pieces and unrecognizable. And his death was not the only one. 36 homicides occurred in the prison walls. Thankfully, in 1947, a facility was opened at Pent Springs, West Virginia, for the women prisoners, and they were transferred. Since 1837, women were prisoners there. God knows what happened to those women. Escapes were frequent. They were actually too frequent. There were 510 successful attempts between 1960 and 1995. What is going on there? These include hijacking a prison truck, hiding in a cement mixer, and escaping through a good old-fashioned tunnel. Fast Freddy holds the record of 13 attempted escapes. On November 7, 1979, 15 
Yes, I repeat, 15 prisoners escaped from the prison. The prison break was a total shit show. Sheriff Robert Leitner didn't communicate with the sheriff's office or the police department during the prison break. Who does that? The sheriff's office and local police only heard about it via the police scanner about 20 minutes after it happened. That's 15 violent criminals that have escaped. And you didn't notify anybody about it? That's ridiculous. Meanwhile, murderers David Morgan, Ronald T. Williams, along with convicted rapist Harold Gowers Jr. escaped, as well as several other inmates. They were just out running amok. Williams, who was serving time for murder, stole a prison guard's weapon during the escape. When he got to the road in Moundsville, he confronted 23-year-old off-duty West Virginia State Trooper Philip S. Kessner, who was driving past the prison with his wife. Kessner was shot in the chest and fatally wounded. His wife was thrown out of the car but did survive. Williams was on the run for 18 months. He would send letters and postcards to his friends, inmates, and the police just to taunt them. His letters and postcards would say, Wish you were here. What a dick. And a murderer. A murderous dick. He even made the FBI's 10 most wanted. While on the run, he killed another person, John Buncheck, during an armed robbery. He was also connected to crimes in Colorado and in Pennsylvania. The FBI would eventually catch him at the George Washington Hotel in New York City. Williams was returned to the prison. By 1986, there were plumbing issues, insect infestations, overcrowding, and a population of more than 2,000 men. There was barely any security, and most of the locks on the cells had been picked. The inmates literally roamed the halls freely. In 1992, there was another prison break when three inmates dug a tunnel to their freedom. They dug a tunnel from the greenhouse area inside the prison, under the east wall, and came up on the backside of the prison. The two inmates that dug this tunnel... One was an electrician, and one was a coal miner. This four-foot tunnel had lighting and wooden planks to support the walls. That's actually very creative. There were also two major riots at the prison. March 1973, five guards and two prisoners were hospitalized, and one prisoner was left dead after a prisoner committed arson and a full-scale riot causing complete chaos. Also, on New Year's Day, 1986, there was a riot over the filthy living conditions. The prisoners believed they were being treated like dogs. By the way, I would never treat a dog like this, and if anyone does, there is a special place in hell for you. The prisoners said there was raw sewage flowing from the pipes, rats in the cells, and maggots in their food. I mean, valid reason. I 100% draw the line at maggots in your food. The riot lasted 53 hours. A gang took 16 prison staff members hostage. Their demands for Governor Moore were better medical services, better living quarters, a pizza, and some women. I mean, have the pizza. You're not going to get the women. The governor refused to negotiate, though. Of course, 
things would turn violent after none of their demands were met, and three prisoners were killed. The prison conditions were even worse during the summer. I understand that, and I know West Virginia gets really hot. It would get up to 120 degrees inside on the upper tiers of the prison. I mean, that is really hot. I don't even know how they would survive. It's not like they have water they can just drink all day long. The prisoners would get a block of ice and a fan outside their bars. I mean, at least they did that to try to help them, but that block of ice probably melted very fast. You got a lot of hot, violent prisoners. That's not going to lead to anything good. The winters were extremely cold as well. There were loose electrical wires hanging in the cells. It was completely filthy in all the cell blocks and kitchens. In 1982, West Virginia deemed the conditions of the prison cruel and inhumane. Well, duh. I mean, I understand they're prisoners, and the United States already has an issue with prison. You are there. You're a prisoner. You're probably going to reoffend. It's just a very vicious and awful cycle. And to be stuck somewhere like this, I mean, I wouldn't even know what to do. The conditions were disgusting. It would take several years in legal proceedings, and the prison would eventually be closed in 1995. So from 1982, when it was deemed inhumane, that was over 10 years before it actually shut down. What is going on? Why would that take so long? The prisoners would eventually be sent to different facilities throughout the state. In the 119 years of operation, 998 people died in the prison. And yes, they held executions. 94 men were executed. Public executions were a thing, and for some reason, people absolutely loved going to them. In 1939, when Frank Heyer was hanged, the trapdoor beneath him was opened, and when he fell, he was instantly decapitated. Whoopsies. After that, executions were by invitation only. Can you imagine getting an invite to go to an execution? Dear sir and madam, I cordially invite you to the execution of so-and-so. How absolutely disgusting. Random side note. Charles Manson actually requested to go to this prison. Imagine if he actually went to a prison this violent. I don't think he would have lasted as long. The main hospital building was the location of the death row and execution room. In 1949, hanging was out and electrocution was in. They said it was more humane. I think it's equally inhumane, but okay. Nine men were killed in the electric chair, which they called old sparky please don't name your murder devices it was actually built by a prisoner i wonder if they gave this prisoner instructions on how to build this electric chair or was it something that he created and developed himself which would make it more terrifying knowing that a murderer or a violent offender at least created some kind of device that would torture and eventually kill you after your execution, if your family didn't want to claim your body, you would be sent to the Whitegate Cemetery, which was about 3.5 miles away, off of Tom Runs Lane. The graves are marked by a license plate type marker. 
which they probably made. The state did prohibit capital punishment in 1965, thankfully. The prison held some of the most violent killers, rapists, and other criminals, including Harry Powers, a serial killer, and he was one sick bastard. He had a soundproof concrete underground chamber in his house so no one could hear his victims' screams. He also used it at night for his own sexual pleasure. He lured women with Lonely Hearts ads looking for love. When they would arrive at his ranch, the women, who also sometimes had some children, he would throw the women in the chamber, drain their bank accounts and assets. He would kill the children using a hammer, and the women would either starve to death, or he would beat them to death. Talk about a fucking sick bastard. He is thought to have as many as 50 victims. His five known victims are Esther Eicher, 50, and her children, Greta, 14, Harry, 12, and Annabelle, 9. Also, Dorothy Lemke, age 50. The infamous Elmer Brenner was also housed at the prison. He was convicted of the 1957 murder of Ruby Miller. He used the claw part of the hammer to kill her. He got old Sparky and was the last person in West Virginia to get the death penalty. After closing the prison, Moundsville was worried about the local economy, so they turned the prison into a museum. This 90-minute tour is not for the faint of heart. Some of the guides are former correction officers from the prison. So they have first-hand experiences of everything that went on there. Stories of shanked, snitches, drugs, prison gangs, and riots are discussed. When entering the prison, you are greeted by a piece of art created by the prisoner Billy Foster. He spent 28 years in this prison. The piece of art is called Black Waterfalls. There are also murals throughout the prison in the visitation area. There are murals of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and unicorns that cover the walls. You will also see wildlife scenes in the cafeteria and hallways, cartoon characters in and near the visitation area, and depictions of the prison's mascot, the cougar, which is on the walls in the basement and on the floor of the gym. The day tours, you will see the first floor in the prison yard. That is the PG tour. You need to do the night tour and the ghost hunting tour. It does cost a little bit more, but you are able to pass through the second floor and view the medical hall, psych ward, and the basement where the snitches were brutally murdered. And don't forget, the medical hall is where they had prisoners on death row. If you do the ghost hunting tour, you're able to roam free with your flashlights. All tours end at the museum, where you are able to see Old Sparky, which killed nine people. You can also see one of the main attractions, the letter written by Charles Manson, when he asked to be transferred from California to West Virginia. This place is 100% haunted. Did I mention that it was also built on a Native American burial ground? The Adenya tribe. The ghost tours and late night tours book quickly and bring in about $30,000 annually just for those two tours. So if you plan to go, you must book ahead. They also have a haunted house at the prison in October. 
I absolutely love it. I did go to one of our local used-to-be prisons this past October. It was not a maximum security prison. It's now a distillery this past October, and they did a haunted house tour. They actually still have the old prison. They just have the distillery barrels in the prison cells, and it was really cool. Not to mention I got a drink afterwards. Win-win situation. So who's ready to go to the prison? I'm game. Let's go for Halloween. Pictures of the prison will be posted on my Instagram at wicked underscore wanderers podcast. And this concludes this week's episode of Wicked Wanderers. Please rate and review, especially on Spotify and Apple Podcast. I appreciate five stars only. This helps others find my podcast. Any tips or suggestions can be emailed to wickedwandererspodcast at gmail.com. If you have been to any of these places mentioned in this episode or have any haunted places, dark tourism suggestions, or spooky stories, or any really cool stories in general, please also email those to me at wicked wandererspodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to donate to the cause, you can at patreon.com slash wickedwanderers. I do write, edit, and produce this podcast all by myself. I also created all the artwork for the podcast as well. There is a monthly subscription to my Patreon. I do have one additional bonus episode available as of now if you also wish to join my Patreon. I hope everybody has a wonderful week and make sure you plan an adventure for this weekend. As always, wander more and stay wicked. Thank you.